It's time to accelerate. Hey, friends, this is Andy. Welcome to episode 510 of Accelerate, the sales podcast of record where I hold in-depth conversations with today's leading experts in sales, marketing, and leadership six days a week. Joining me on the show today is my friend Dan Negroni. Dan is the founder and CEO of Launchbox and author of a book, Chasing Relevance, Six Steps to Understand, Engage, and Maximize Next Generation Leaders in the Workplace. So Dan and his team at Launchbox are experts at working with companies to help them learn how to do just what the book title says, how to understand, engage, and maximize the potential of the millennials in their workplace, as well as he coaches a lot of millennials to help them succeed in today's work environment. So in the show, we're going to talk about the strategies millennials can use to demonstrate their value in the workplace. So Dan, welcome to Accelerate. Andy Paul, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure's all mine. So... Where do we find you today? In San Diego? You find me in San Diego and with a little bit of overcast and not as sunny and breezy and beautiful, but uh, yes, at the office in San Diego in a beautiful <sighs> afternoon. Someday. Someday. That's the dream. San Diego <laughs> is is the dream. Right, right now, it's a partial dream. Someday, it's going to be a, a full-time dream. If my wife is listening to this, she'll, she'll know exactly what we're talking about. So, uh, <laughs> so here's a question for you. And you have sort of a unique perspective, I think, in some regards, because you spend your days helping millennials, working with corporations to help millennials. So, and many of those are in sales. So, in your experience, what what is the single biggest challenge facing millennial sales reps today? Oh, my God. I think the single big, it's a great question. And I would say it's the single biggest challenge probably facing all millennials, which is too much friggin' opportunity. There are so many things going on in the world and there's so many things to choose from and to just settle down into yourself and figure out how to approach your life, what to do, what's the best sales job, what's the best way to approach a customer. And we could go on and on with a hundred um, scenarios. I think it really is choosing. Hmm. Interesting. So they're, they're not focused. Oh, let's not say that. I said um, that they have a lot of... I think they're bombarded with with opportunities. And it's not that they don't want to be focused. They don't know how to be focused. And we've gone from a world where you and I grew up, where we knew what we didn't know. And there were kind of these paths or these boxes that we could fit in and, and kind of career paths. And now in the gig economy, in the way the world's so different, in the way technology is morphed, they have so many different choices and it's hard for them to settle into understanding how to choose the best thing for them at that particular time based on who they are. All right. So if you're going to give advice, which I'm sure you do to, cause I've, I've seen you coach millennials is one behavior that they could master or should master right now that would make a difference for them. What, what would that be? Yeah. So I think that, so let's, let's talk overall and then we can talk about behaviors. Um, I think that overall it's figuring out who they are and and being able to articulate it. I coach with a, a bunch of different people and different coaches and get exposed to lots of different companies. And it's interesting, many of those coaches say millennials don't know what they want. I think it's more than the problem is that they have a challenge articulating and finding what they want to do from the inside out and really understanding themselves and being able to actually communicate that. And the biggest behavior that they could do to 
figure that out is probably revolves around asking themselves questions to become more self-aware. What are their strengths? What do they value? Okay. What well, do they want to learn? All right. Well, let's 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 dive into that because that okay, sort of dovetails sure. with some of the stuff that I wanted to talk to you about because because you published an article talking about a, a lesson in coaching millennials how to ask the right questions. Yeah. And so you're starting to talk about those questions. So which questions are you talking about there? Is is it questions about themselves, questions of others, or is it both? I, I think it's both. For sure it's both. And I you know, I hate to answer the question by just saying both. I think it's, you know, it's kind of like the challenger method of sales where you need to provide value to your customer. What's the best way to provide value to your customer? It's to challenge them with asking them great questions to think deep about their particular business, their right. particular challenge, their particular way of selling the product, all those things. I think the same thing can conversely be turned on a millennial. What am I trying to achieve here? You know, How do I want to show up and be present? How am I going to be real and authentic about it, which they both love both of those things? And then how I think the question is, how am I going to serve the person across the table from me, whether it be personally or professionally? How am I going to make it about others? And that's the general framework for the big questions. And of course, once you get good at question asking, you know, you can ask 100, 100 questions on any particular path. So you use the word authentic. Yeah. So, I mean, authenticity sort of has a slightly squishy <laughs> tone to many people when you talk about being authentic. Yeah. Um, so what for millennial, what does being authentic mean? You know, I think that they've been bombarded with messages and all these choices and technology has certainly served them. We were just talking about Tinder before swipe right to get a date. Everything's easy. Technology serves them in their life. And so it, it it's super easy um, and they've been bombarded with messages of all sorts of types and kinds. And um, basically, um, there's not a lot of integrity in all those different messages. They're either people are tracking our behavior to sell us something or to pop something up on our screen. And authentic to them means real with no other intended consequences other than helping or connecting or delivering you know, genuine in a real genuine way to use a Yiddish term, kind of like someone who would be a mensch would be just a good person that's out there to help you. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it's being real too, because, um, their whole life, they've been told how fantastic, how great you're the your solo act of a sold out show in a sixth floor stadium. You can be the king, you can be the queen, you can be anything you want to be, which you and I know is not true without hard work and dedication. And so, uh, genuine and authentic are all those things that put the color on the reality of how hard it is to get those things. Hmm. Interesting. I mean, one of the things that, that I've read recently, have you um, read the book by uh, Tyler Cowen? Um, wrote the book, The Complacent Class? I know, but I'm going to write that down, The Complacent Class. So he's an economist from... Um, George Mason University has written this book, received a lot of attention, and yeah, basically is making an argument that that we're becoming less dynamic as a society, as a as a as an economy, and you know points to the role of tech. And one aspect points to the role that technology really plays in that. Um, whereas we thought maybe the internet would you know make the world a more dynamic place, but yeah, he 
puts forth the theory based on his research that actually it's it's allowing people to stay in their comfort zones instead of being exploring. And um, you know, some of the things we take as efficiencies again, you know, sort of more comfort zones. So it's it's or like you know, it makes it easier to date somebody, right? You just have to you yeah. brought up Tinder as opposed to going out and actually exploring. You just yeah, swipe right and that it's done. Um, yeah, are you seeing the impact of that in your work with millennials? That that you know, there's some. You know, yeah, I, I give a big sigh when I say that because you know me too, Andy. We know each other personally, which is I'm a super optimistic guy. Right. So that's a very negative connotation um, in terms – and I agree that technology is serving us to a point which is making us lazy in some of the things that real human at- interaction require. Right. So really learning uh, – I, I talked about it today in my forum group, um, the connecting of real humanity – with technology is where we're seeing a big dearth and we don't know how to approach that. And I don't think it's only millennials and I do think it's a societal issue. And I'm super encouraged that with all the AI and all the things that are coming on that eventually the businesses that will win are the businesses that understand we need to get rid of fake news and pushing people to particular things because they have a behavior um, on the internet or with technology and eventually starting to help people apply technolo- technology with the humanity. And I think if you listen to Elon Musk and all these people, you'll see a push in that direction. I believe millennials are smart enough, to, and we've encouraged them to ask questions, that they will be the group that hopefully push us through so we don't become the complacent class. Well, but- and that we actually do want more. Right. But is, is the issue maybe framing the question just a little bit different? Because isn't it less about connecting technology with humanity but using humanity to connect humans to humans using humanity to connect no using technology to connect humans to humans and that's what it is and that's the the 2.0 of the facebook's and the linkedin's right so you can get likes and you can get lots of contacts on linkedin but the question is what are the relationships that emanate from there and how do they become mature and more human and really help people and those are the people um that use technology to that and still keep the relationship-based things alive, just like you probably teach in all your sales materials and you speak with about um, all the time on your podcast is that relationship-based thing that we're trying to push people back to is what's going to make us win. I, I think so. I mean, I, oh, I, yeah. I, I, I see the, the human, human aspect of it growing in importance, even though I know there are you know, large forces that, that, you know, vested interest in making it sort of less important. And I think, you know, the AI to some degree is a, you know, an extension of that, right? A very example of that. It's, it's, Hey, if we can, if we can replace certain levels of communication with something that's automated, that's bot driven, then, you know, it becomes less important to have that human connection. I think, I think in that environment, the human connection becomes more important, not less. I agree with you 100%. And here's the good news, and here's the optimistic bent on millennials is, um, yes, technology has kind of numbed them to that, and we see that with our own kids. We see that with a lots, lots of people. But I think when we get in there and teach them and we go back to the premises of teaching them how to be the best millennials they can be, they are so open and they get it so quickly and they understand, oh, that sounds like it's all about me. How do I shift it? Oh, and I understand that technique. It's just we're not teaching those techniques in school, 
Uh, we should be ashamed of our universities not teaching the things we're talking about now. Um, we're not teaching it in graduate school. We're not teaching it in high school or in college. And we're not teaching it in the workplace. And, you know, we are striving to actually build a technology that will help teach those things and bring back, bring back human, if you will. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. this is, this is, this is, I think is, is really going to become a differentiator in the future is the people that can actually do that, connect on the human level. Uh, they become a, a really valuable commodity. So, so let's, let's talk for a second. So you'd mentioned before you have a technique you call an inside out technique. So what, what is that? Yeah. So, um, we talked a little bit about the beginning is there's so many dots for millennials to follow um, and to figure out and so many choices. And so we focus on what's the dot inside. How do I figure out who I am? And basically, we go through an assessment. We happen to use Strength Finder, which we like a lot. Uh, millennials tend to like it a lot as well. It gives a lot of color and description and leniency in the categories. Um, and then we teach them more about their skills, values, and passions, all focused on others. So skills as how they can help others, um, their brand, and then how to tell connective stories, right? The age-old art of storytelling. And we build it from the ground up, giving them a platform to understand themselves so they can articulate. Um, and once they get to that date on Tinder, when they're in the bar, they have to <laughs> use, as Simon Sinek says, their game to go, hey, and they can ask a great question, which is like, you know, what's your favorite thing in the world to do? Or what's the thing that's had the biggest impact on you? And um, really focus on connecting with people that have that same type of mind frame and mindset and requiring employers to have that as well and clients. And so um, we have this workshop and system and eventually a technology that teaches what we call that inside out uh, mechanism of understanding yourself first so you can provide value to others and connect with them. You said requiring it of employers, meaning what? Meaning that if I, you know, so much of the time, if we're just looking for a job, we try and find the right job or the right now job, I'm sorry, which is the job that will provide us income, but trying to find employers where it's the right job, where they will feed me as a millennial what I need. And the four things millennials tend to really want in the workplace without overgeneralizing are four things we all want, and they all deal with the humanity like you talked about. Number one is the ability to learn and grow. We call it capability. Number two is that word you just asked me about before, authenticity. Number three is feedback and communication. And number four is a purposeful, transparent um, workplace environment. And so those are the four things they want. And we want millennials to be intelligent enough to articulate that's what they want, uh, demand it, and, and even more importantly, create it. Because over the next five years, I think a dramatic number of boomers will be retiring. And not only is that going to give us a brain drain, but it's going to force us to have millennials step up and become the leaders that we know they can be that we've taught them to be. So is there a danger in your mind that, because it seems like there's a little bit of a conflict, is that, you know, you talked about the, the feedback and so on, but oftentimes, at least we'll take sales as an example, is, is millennials coming into sales, is they're working in environments where the feedback really comes in the form of data, right? Here's your KPIs, here's your metrics. And, you know, that's, that, that's not a great, great feedback, right? I mean, that, that's not a human feedback. That's, that's a, you know, just a sheer numbers-based and it seems uh, certainly my, what I see is, you know, as I talk to companies and so on, is, is too often that's what people are so defaulting to. Yeah, I mean, you and I have talked about this a lot. 
Uh, there are lots of systems, and lately, especially with sales, where people put systems in place. And so make this number of calls, close on this number of calls, get to the third call here, do this, and then that shows the data. The problem with that, and I think we've discussed it before, is what's going on while you're doing it? The how. And we're not focusing on the how. When we can move the data metrics for these millennials and for anyone to understand how were they being when they were making their calls and what was the impact of the how they were doing, that's about showing the, the millennial and the employee that we care about them. And that's about quantifying their engagement with really learning these important skills, not just data of numbers. So I think it's about what data is it? And really, how are we manifesting that we care and delivering the data and the feedback? Data is just one component. It's how do you deliver the data? And more importantly, what is the data contain? Well, I think my fear about the data, to some degree, is that, you know, it's, it's part of this comfort zone, right? I mean, it's, it's not personal. So you can talk to somebody about the data, right? Without getting involved in sort of the nitty gritty of, you know, asking somebody, you know, what are your goals? What are your ambitions? How can I help you achieve these ambitions? Um, you know, I've, I was at a conference and, you know, a, a VP of sales of one company was not, yeah, probably wasn't a millennial, but maybe slightly older than millennial, just saying, yeah, you know, we got rid of one on ones. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because that's not important. One-on-ones is not yeah, important. Yeah, the inefficient, uh, yeah. you know, and because, you know, we've got this data, right? And we can talk, and it's like really missing a bigger point here because my concern is, okay, the fear I addressed a second ago is that, you know, we raise a, a generation, yeah, to step up when the, the boomers, you know, age out. And, you know, they again, they think it's because they were trained this way. It's it's all about the data. It's all about the metrics. It's not about the people. Yeah. I mean, Gallup has some good data. 71% of millennials are disengaged in the workplace. 50% of millennials think they're going to have a new job within a year. And really, boomers and Xers are not um, engaged either. It's like 68%. However, what you find is we did we did away with one-on-one. <laughs> well, they're, not However, en- they're not engaged because they're all looking at the latest news on Google. But yeah, right. go ahead. But here's the funny thing is this. 89% of millennials who feel like they're cared about in the workplace, which by the way, one-on-ones, we know good old human attention works. They believe that they're engaged in the workplace. So <laughs> it's like so crazy, but it's a soft number. It's a soft data baloney. You know, in life, if we pay attention to the girl or the guy or the client or you know uh, the boss, we're going to get the result we want because we fed them and we made it about them, which is about this direct relationship stuff. And so I don't care what the data says. I don't think, and I would be really hard pressed to see data that says that does not work, caring about people and interacting with people and building people. Yeah. Well, so there was an interesting conversation I had with a guest not that long ago who, a woman named Lee Carraher. I don't know if you've read either of her books she wrote one about millennials and then wrote one just recently that was published called the boomerang principle inspire a lifetime loyalty from your employees love it and yeah the the title sort of self-explanatory is yeah if you treat your employees well and you know they may come back which is i not a bad way to bring new employees on is to have people that worked there before come back to your company well, and, uh, and also, if, also, if you build employee loyalty and they do leave, they become you know reference sources and other things in the new, the new location. 
That's exactly what I was going to say is, look, they're going to refer you people that want to work for you. They're going to refer you customers. One of the things we didn't talk about on today's call, but is really interesting about millennials is they are the same as they are as employees, as they are as consumers. They're the same in their personal life as professional life, and they want to work for companies they want to buy for. So if we understand them and care about it, we understand about our next generation customer. And by the way, if we take care of them, we'll get more of them as customers. And they might even have some insight into themselves as next generation customers and employees. So I hear you loud and clear. For sure, we should be taking care of people. But um, it's kind of crazy what's going on in the workplace. <laughs> well, it is. And I uh you know, so it makes it fascinating, but also frustrating simultaneously. So, oh, yeah. so one of the things you you bring up, I don't know if it's in the same article or some other place, was that uh, according to a millennial leadership survey, over half millennials surveyed already think they have the right skills to be a leader. Yeah, it's a really interesting thing. And and the question is, as as real leaders and guides and being bold and being authentic, which is what they want, how do we really demonstrate to them without insulting them? Because we've told them how fantastic they are, that they don't, and they have a lot to learn, and we want to teach them. Um, and it's, it's, it's a big issue, um, you know, kind of really getting that give and take and that trust uh, to go from employer to employee and really shifting the onus back to the millennial employee on their responsibility for learning and growing. Yeah. Well, learning and growing on their own or on the job? Both. I think both is their responsibility is to figure out both. How do I serve my employer? How do I serve my clients? How do I learn on the job? How do I learn outside the job? How do I bring it all together? How am I the best employee? Um, so migrating from a question I hear when I talk at colleges, which is how do I get paid what I'm worth, which I laugh at that question all the time and say, isn't the right question, how do I demonstrate what I'm worth <laughs> so I can de demonstrate value? And they say, oh, yeah, well, I guess so. Well, yeah, how do they determine <laughs> yeah. what, they're, what they're worth, right? Yeah, well, and it's uh, by doing the things, which is self-learning and um, really understanding that they really don't know it all. They might have been told that. And how open and self-aware, when you said to me, what is the best behavior? I said, really becoming self-aware. So you can understand where you are, so you can make it about others and help them and understand where you fit. And I think that goes back to how do we teach and help our millennials understand that? Because, look, they have no memory of, first of all, technology serves them, digital serves them in their personal life. They get to the workplace, there is no type of technology like there is a tender in the workplace to resolve a problem with your boss, unfortunately. Can't swipe left to get rid of them and change your boss. Um, and so the question is, how do we find how humanity and technology serve them in the workplace? And let's remember this too. They have no memory of what the workplace used to be like. So where all of us and the other generation are saying, hey, this doesn't work this way. This is kind of how it should be. They're like, why? What, what are you talking about? We, we don't know that to be true. Mm -hmm. Everything in life works easily. Why isn't this working easily? And so it's really surprising. And you know, we're trying to migrate away from this term millennial, especially as Gen Zs come in and move to digital natives. Because really, that's what's happening is they grew up so differently with technology and were these digital natives. And now we have to humanize that. 
just it's kind of the same theme we've been talking about. How do we go and do that? Hmm. Yeah. And the answer is with a lot of dang hard work (laughs) and a lot of human interaction and some soft stuff, but some metrics and some data finding, you know, finding the systems. I think the first thing is we got to bust myths. They're not this way. We're not that way. The world has changed so quickly. We need to work together where we work together, young and old, any generation with the other is where magic happens. And that's what we need to do together. We have to put together the systems, lean in, care about guiding, understand that other people have a different perspective, and and really teach. And that requires lots of handholding and lots of one-on-ones and lots of what I call drive-bys and lots of huddles, um, old-fashioned sales techniques combined with all the new stuff. Well, I think one of the things that that we have to be better at is – one of the things that I see happening with technology is technology is enforcing a certain conformity in certain professions, and sales is one of them, right? We've got this technology that enables us to put together these sales processes that have a lot of transparency in them because we now can see what's going on more clearly. It generates all this data. We set expectations based on activities, and people start feeling handcuffed, yeah. right? So instead of giving these young best and brightest we have permission to go to go experiment and unfortunately you know it, it sometimes seems worse in the tech business which i think is the irony because it's it's you know an industry devoted to disruption and yet we have sort of these these processes that seem to prize conformity the most but we need to let people have some freedom you know i look back in my own career as yeah you know, i worked in a fairly initially in a fairly stodgy company with some fairly distinct processes, but it didn't take me long once I was there to see that the guys are really knocking the ball out of the park. We're breaking the rules. And it seems like we don't, it seems like we don't encourage rule breaking enough. Yeah. I mean, I agree with you a hundred percent. We, we, we talk a really good game, but our follow through is poor when it comes to, I mean, I think we would find out that the number one guys that are, you know, breaking rules. So do you, so, as you say, um, are the guys that have great relationships, care about their clients, and will do whatever they need to do, just like the old-fashioned days, right? It's yeah. the same type of techniques that are working, and I think you, you would find that through a data analysis. Those top natural salespeople are the ones that are givers. Um, Adam Grant's give and take. They're the, mm-hmm. they're, they're the ones that really are providing the value and challenging. And what do we need to understand more of to know that you you have to harness that differently with each person you have. And anyone who's been a sales manager certainly should understand that. So trying to apply and manage and teach um, every person to sell exactly the same way is not playing to their strengths. Well, exactly. That's that's yeah. what my point is. is yeah. There's no flexibility to play to the no. strengths. So what we have is, is almost like this caste system that sort of develops where – you know, people are sort of what I call the middle class in sales, and this could be true of any profession. You know, the ones that aren't the the top performers, but the ones that could be given the right opportunity or the permission to go see what works for them, right? What their strengths are and how they can apply those strengths. But we keep coming back to this. Well, hey, did you how many how many calls did you make? How many conversations did you have? How many as opposed to how much did you sell? Yeah, and I think we can find, I think even the Harvard School of Adult Education did a 75-year study that said the single most thing 
that and there's a TED talk on it that um, allows us to succeed is the quality of our relationships. Uh, and so, again, why are we not focusing on those things and developing them? And and those are different for each particular person. Um, we'll live longer. We'll sell more. We'll close more deals. We'll, we'll get more Tinder action, whatever it is. Um, it really works on the ability to build relationships. And it gets back to this word, authentic, is yeah. authentic relationships, which means that not every relationship you have is intermediated by social media or something like that. At, some, think, at, at some point, you, you have to have a real human relationship. You know, and, and that's why actually teaching this stuff is so tough. It's complicated. Relationships are complicated, and you're right. Siri is not uh, our girlfriend. And, uh, you know, we need to figure out how to, how to interact with each other. And that will be the distinguishing uh, factor for success in terms of how it lays right on top of or next to or in between technology and being able to do that. Perfect. Well, Dan, great conversation. Um, yeah, tell folks how they can find out more about LaunchBox and you and connect with you and so on. Yeah, we speak all around the country um, on millennial issues and coaching issues and relationship building issues. You can find out about us on www.launchbox, L-A-U-N-C-H-B-O-X, 365.com. Uh, we have our book for sale there, chasingrelevance.com, and we uh, love to do coaching and workshops and uh Travel wherever someone, I won't say wherever someone will pay us, wherever the right client that is interested in making the right difference for their particular employees and customers, that's where we're headed. All right. And if they want to contact you? Uh, they can um, call us at 858-314-9867 or email me at dan at launchbox365.com. Perfect. All right, Dan, thank you very much. Friends, thank you for spending the time with me again today. Remember, come back, join us every day of the week here at Accelerate. We've got great content for you, great insights from experts like Dan Negroni. Until we talk the next time, make sure you take a second on your phone. You're listening to this probably on your phone. Go to your podcast app, subscribe, leave us a review. I really appreciate your feedback. So thanks again for joining me. Until next time, this is Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> 